G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Word talks about the harvest of righteousness. And if you've ever lived in a farming community, you'll know that harvest time is a time of huge celebration. So, this harvest of righteousness, it's not just empty words, it's a big deal. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're continuing with the next message in this series called Reaping the Harvest of Righteousness because there is very definitely a harvest there to be reaped. So let's head into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you how you can receive Christianity Works free daily devotional. It's called Fresh and it's all about helping you to live the abundant life that Jesus died and rose again to give you. One of the things that we do in this world, particularly, let me say, in the West, is that we get hooked on junk food. Pretty much most people need three meals a day, breakfast, lunch and dinner. Some don't get that, of course, and others skip meals because they're too busy to eat. And in between meals, we like to have little snacks, and often the snacks we consume can be our undoing. Instead of healthy snacks, a banana or an apple or an orange, we go for the chocolate bar or the donut or the packet of chips or something equally unhealthy. Of course, one of those every now and then, no problem. But if those are the things that we snack on most of the time, they're going to make us sick and tired, literally. I've done that a few times in my life, and each time I've eventually come to my senses and replaced those unhealthy snacks with healthy ones, well, at first it seemed like a real burden to give up the junk food snacks. But within a day or two, here's what happens. Firstly, what I've found is that I rediscover how wonderful fruit tastes. A sweet mandarin, a juicy orange, a crisp apple, a ripe banana. They are fantastic. (laughs) What a surprise. And secondly, within just a few days, I'm feeling much healthier, more energy, more alert, a spring in my step. The fruit, as it turns out, is good for us in so many different ways. Last week on the program, we were chatting about reaping the harvest of righteousness, and we saw that God's righteousness is two things. It's both bad news and good news. Bad news because he's righteous and we're not, and eventually that brings his wrath crashing down on our heads, and good news because he knows that, which is why he sent us Jesus Christ, his son, to save us. Now, we're going to talk about the bad news and the good news a bit more next week on the program. But right now, we're going to look at the fruit, good, healthy, life-giving fruit. As I mentioned just earlier, making the transition from bad eating habits to good eating habits at the time always seems, well, it feels like we're making a sacrifice, giving up the sweet chocolate bars and, and the fatty chips. It's never fun making that choice and starting on the journey towards healthy eating. But not only is the fruit really, really nice, it yields fruit in our lives. We feel better. We have more energy, right? We know that. And it's the same with sin and righteousness. 
When we're addicted to some sin, we all have one or two sins that we're predisposed to, it seems like such a sacrifice giving them up. It really does. Even though they're not good for us, even though they're hurting us, And oftentimes God helps us by sending us through a rough patch, by disciplining us so that we can learn for ourselves the impact that our sin is having so that we can feel the pain and have the opportunity to let go of the sin and turn back to him. Have a listen to what the writer of the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament has to say about this. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 5. If you have a Bible, come there with me. He writes, And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as children. My child, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, or lose heart when you're punished by him. For the Lord disciplines those whom he loves, and he chastises every child whom he accepts. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? If you don't have that discipline in which all children share, then you're illegitimate and not his children. Moreover, when we had human parents to discipline us, we respected them. Should we not even be more willing to be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good in order that we may share his holiness. Now, discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later... It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. You know what he's saying? No pain, no gain, right? And in a sense, that's what's going on here. So often we're travelling through tough times and, and we don't take the time to read the signs. We squeal in pain. Oh God, why is this happening to me? And we don't stop to hear his answer. Oftentimes, the reason it's happening is because God is at work in our lives and leaving the sin behind is hard. Our, our flesh is addicted to it. It's, it's like a heroin addict leaving the drug behind. It's hard. It hurts. And God lets it happen to us because he loves us, because he knows that the peaceful fruit of righteousness is so worth the effort and the pain. Can we just talk about that fruit for a moment? Can we talk about the harvest, the gain that comes out of the pain? Because it's like the real fruit that I was talking about before. It is fantastic. When we're wallowing around in our sin, well, you know, that affects our lives. Someone who's living constantly in the sin of anger is going to have a rotten life, right? Someone who's laboring under the yoke of unforgiveness is going to have a rotten life. Someone who hasn't learned to sacrifice and to love is having unhealthy, tragic relationships. The list of cause and effect goes on. And most times, we don't even notice them. We we don't stop to think about the sin, the cause, and the effect that it's having on our lives. I use this word sin deliberately as much as it jars with many people because it's what God calls our rebellion. It means literally to miss the mark, to miss the whole point, to miss out on our share. And that's what we're doing when we're rebelling against God. We're missing out on the goodness. Just like when we're stuffing our faces full of unhealthy food, we're missing out on energy and well-being that should be going on in our lives. But when we allow God's discipline through the difficult and often painful circumstances we're travelling through be the tool that helps us let go of the sin, the tool that shows us the pain and helps us to the heart decision of letting go and turning back to him, then here's what's going to happen. Just like giving up junk food snacks, It's not going to be a pleasant start. It always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time. But the peaceful fruit of righteousness 
Well, it's kind of like that sense of well-being and vibrancy and energy that we get when we ditch the junk food in favour of the good stuff, the fruit. I just want to encourage you that sometimes the tough patches are God's polishing cloth in our lives. And the sin he's putting his finger on right now is actually ruining our lives. It's robbing you and me of the peaceful fruit of righteousness that he wants us to live in day by day. So we can struggle and squirm and fight God. Problem is, the longer we do that, the longer he'll keep us in that uncomfortable place. Or we can go to him, ask him to show us what he's doing and let go of that sin quickly. Yes, even though it never seems pleasant at the time, more likely painful. And the sooner we get with his plan, the sooner we'll be living in the peaceful fruit of righteousness. What do you think? Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope, and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet, or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free to get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh. Stop by our website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Online at ChristianityWorks.com, toll free 1300 722 415. So go ahead, sign up to receive fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through His Word. Now, those of us who live in the city, well, it's easy for us not to understand the importance of a harvest. Harvest time is when the farmer reaps the benefits of his hard work. Harvest time is a relief, a blessing, a provision, and a celebration. That's why when God talks about the harvest of righteousness, it's a big deal. I remember when I was in my last year of high school, quite a few years ago now, I travelled to a country town to teach the clarinet at a music camp during the school holidays. And I had the opportunity to stay for a week on a farm. Now, this was a large property and they farmed many thousands of sheep, thousands of them. It was quite an experience for a young guy because I'm a city boy. I'd spent all my time growing up in in an industrial city, so I'd never really thought too much about, well, where things come from. Milk, after all, came in bottles. Eggs come in cartons. Meat comes from the butchers and so on. You don't really think too much about it when you live in the city. So spending this week on the sheep farm was the most amazing experience. We had the opportunity to help dip the sheep. So you had to pick them up and throw them down this chute so they ended up in a trough full of sheep dip. It was back-breaking work. And for a lad who'd never really thought too much about where lamb chops came from, other than from the butchers, it was a real eye-opener. Farming is hard work. Ever since then, I've had the greatest respect for farmers. And not only is it hard work, but pretty much they only get their income once or twice a year. And that happens when they take what they've grown, whether that be a a crop like wheat or sheep or cattle for slaughter or, or wool for clothing, when they take what they've grown to market. It happens at harvest time. 
But of course, there are many things that can interrupt the harvest. Drought, flood, fire, a plague of locusts, diseases in animals. And, and even when there's a bumper crop, often as a result of the abundance, the prices the farmer gets at market are going to plummet. So it's a tough life. And that week on the sheep farm has given me a deep, abiding respect for farmers and their families. But there's something else, another lasting legacy that this week on the farm as a young lad has left with me. And that's an appreciation of the tough reality of farming on one hand and the sense of jubilation of a successful harvest on the other. See, we city slickers hear this word harvest and it really doesn't mean too much to us. It kind of washes by. But harvest time is the culmination of the farmer's work. It's the time of reaping the reward. A successful harvest brings great joy and a sense of accomplishment and relief and safety and provision, not just for the farming families, but in fact for the whole community. That's what harvest means. So when the Bible talks about harvests, that's the sense of what's going on. And remember, back then in the first century, there, there was no welfare or government assistance or anything like that. If the harvest failed, people starved. And it's still like that in many parts of the world today. Suffice to say, what I'm trying to get to here is the fact that the harvest is a big deal. It's a huge deal. If you live in a rural community, you already know that. But it's not something that's necessarily that obvious to our city slickers. So when the Apostle Paul writes to his dear friends in Philippi about this harvest of righteousness, he's saying something big. Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and the praise of God. Interesting that he begins his point about this harvest of righteousness with a four-letter word, love. His prayer for his dear friends in Philippi is that their love would overflow more and more because it's in this flood tide of God's love which works its way out in our love for one another that we gain the knowledge and develop the insight to know what God's best is for us. And living out his best isn't always the easiest thing to do, as we've seen over the course of these last few weeks. Living out God's best requires sacrifice, and it hurts a lot of times. But when our heart is soaked in God's love, when, when lives are about overflowing more and more with the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ, then in that place, with that humility, with that surrender and sacrifice, we gain the knowledge of God and the insights of God which transform us into his image, which, which help us live out the righteousness we already have, the right standing we have with him because of our faith in Jesus who died to pay for our sin and rose again to give us a brand new life, an abundant life, an eternal life. And friends, that is the thing, the love of God at work in us that produces what? It produces the harvest. Big word that, the harvest of righteousness, which comes to us through Jesus and brings glory and praise and honour to God. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment of all? He answered Luke chapter 10, verse 27, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. Love is the most important thing of all. As Paul wrote some years on in Romans chapter 13, verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbour, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. We've kind of been conditioned to believe that love is all about romance and feeling good, and, and look, sure, those are a couple of aspects of love. 
But that's not the sort of love that both of these passages talk about. The original Greek word for love here is agape, which means unconditional love, faithful love that never ends and never fails, the sort of love that costs us a lot and often appears to deliver very little at the time. It's that sort of love, and it doesn't matter how talented or gifted we are, if we don't have this sort of love, then in God's eyes, we're nothing but a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Gifts and abilities and talents without this sacrificial, faithful love are completely worthless. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, I know in my own life there have been times that have been so trying and testing when people have been difficult and unhelpful and hurtful. Those times and those places never feel good. And yet it's in those times and places that the Word of God has done its greatest work in me. I thank God that early on in my walk with Him, He established in me a pattern of regular Bible reading because it's in those difficult periods that God's Word has done His greatest and mightiest works in me. And it's still like that today. Friends, in the most difficult times of our lives, we can experience this harvest of righteousness, or, as it's written elsewhere in the book of Hebrews, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Because as we persist in doing good, in honouring God, in living out the relationship and right standing, the, the righteousness purchased for us by Jesus as he took the punishment of our sin on himself on that cross, as we live that out, we discover God himself. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. And that, my friend, is exactly what happens. God draws us ever nearer to him through the righteousness that he imparted to us through Jesus and the righteousness that he now brings to life in our new lives in Christ. The righteousness that we live out little by little, he restores us back into his image through the trials of life. That's the harvest, God himself. And like every harvest, it's a big deal. I mean, really. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. Sometimes with all that we have going on in life, it's difficult, if not impossible, to understand what God's up to. But God, let me tell you, is in the business of transforming your life from one degree of glory to the next. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called Laying Hold of Your New Life, and it's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to help you live out the abundant life that Jesus died and rose again to bring you. In fact, at the end of each chapter, you'll find a series of life application questions to help you kind of think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your copy, stop by our website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and we'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post, laying hold of your new life. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll free on 1-300-722-415. Now, in the few minutes that we have left together today, there's one more important thing that I'd like to share. So let's get straight back into God's Word. I hope that as we've been chatting today, it's starting to sink in that it's all about the harvest. It's all about the fruit. 
God didn't just send Jesus to save us from an eternity separated from him. He also sent his son to buy us a new life here and now. Now, I know so many people who believe in Jesus but aren't growing into that new life. I was speaking with someone recently who'd been involved in a large survey across a major denomination of God's church. And one of the questions that people had been asked was whether, given their involvement in this church, they felt that they were growing spiritually. You know what? Only 30% answered yes, the rest, 70%, answered no. So here I am, rabbiting on about a new life, the fruit of righteousness, the harvest of righteousness. But you have to ask yourself, if that's what God's word says, if that's what God promises, where do you get it? How how do you and I reap the harvest and become part of the the 30% rather than the 70% who don't? My favorite psalm, well, it's hard to have just one favorite psalm, isn't it? But my favorite psalm is psalm number one. Have a listen with me because it's about growing fruit. Psalm one, verse one. If you have a Bible, come there with me. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, nor take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams, which yield their fruit in season, and their leaves do not wither. In all they do, they prosper. I love this because it's a piece of wisdom on how to bear fruit. It's a piece of wisdom on how to succeed, not in the world sense, but in God's sense. It's a piece of wisdom to stop us from withering under the heat and the pressures of life. What's the psalmist saying? Look, let's get a grip. Keep living out your old life, this life of sin, and it ain't going to work out so well. And the second part of the psalm, which we haven't read so far, says exactly that. But you want to be happy and blessed, then don't do that old stuff. Don't go and follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or, or sit in the seat of scoffers. Don't do that. Instead, delight yourself in the Word of God. Meditate on what God has to say day and night. And when you do that, you know what it's like? It's like a tree being planted right next to a waterway. In fact, the word that's used there for streams of water literally means an irrigation channel, a stream of water that's deliberately been put there to help the tree to grow good fruit. It's like planting yourself next to one of those. Meditate on what God has to say day or night and you're going to flourish. You are going to bear fruit. You are not going to wither and die when it gets too hot out there. The word of God is like clean, living, fresh water. Drink that in. Be planted right next to that. And you won't be able to help it. You're just going to bear fruit in season. The Apostle Paul reiterates that in his letter to the Colossians in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. He says this. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. You see that? Fruit is linked to knowledge, knowing God, knowing his truth, knowing him deeply. And that only comes through the word of God, drinking it in, letting the fresh living water of his spirit and his word fill us so that we grow. Not like the majority of Christians who aren't growing, that we grow and bear fruit for God's glory. 
only happens when we grow in our knowledge of God. It does not happen when we wander out there in the wilderness, when we're happy to follow the advice of the wicked or, or take the path the sinner treads or, or sit in the seat of scoffers. Do you see what an anathema that is to God? Do you see how opposite that is to the knowledge of God? Whenever the Bible talks about knowing God, be it in the Old Testament or the New Testament, whenever it talks about that, it doesn't talk about head knowledge, it talks about knowing God. The fruit is linked to knowing God. The fruit comes from putting our roots deep down in that living water, the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and drinking that in. That's what happens when we grow in our knowledge of God. We bear fruit. Not academic knowledge, not head knowledge, not dry knowledge, not the sort of knowledge that helps you pass an exam. It's a relational knowledge, a deep, intimate life knowledge of God. That causes us to bear fruit, friend, and that's where we get it. Not by working harder, not by trying to fulfill a whole bunch of rules, not by anything else except developing a dynamic relationship with Jesus, and we do that through his spirit and his word. That's where we get the fruit. That's where we get the harvest of righteousness. And that's why some people are growing spiritually and bearing fruit, and others aren't, because some have a deep relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit and his word, and others don't. It's pretty simple, really. It's not rocket science. And the choice there, the choice is for each one of us. Friends, so many Christians go to church, they listen to a sermon, they come home, they never think about it, they never open their Bible, and they wonder why their lives aren't bearing fruit. Friend, the choice is for each one of us. It's up to me in my life, and let me be really clear, it's up to you in your life. Before I go, there's something truly important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to live out the abundant life that Jesus died and rose again to bring them. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. In fact, each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called Laying Hold of Your New Life. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond and I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.